Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we discuss everything racing from the past week, and preview next week. With me in the studio is Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing, Seth Eggert, NASCAR correspondent at Motorsports Tribune, and race engineer Richard Uden. Gentlemen, how is everybody tonight? Very good. All right. Well, great to have you here on uh, Independence Day week. Uh, Richard, my apologies that you all <laughs> lost the colonies. But um, uh, we'll talk about the racing in a moment. But uh, we open up on a bit of a sad note today. Uh, you know, there's a saying that behind every successful man is a, a very strong woman. And one of the most successful gentlemen I've ever met is certainly Mario Andretti. And um, Mario lost his wife, Deanne. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, to a heart attack. Um, so our, our thoughts and our, our, our prayers are with the Andretti family. She was, uh, you know, the mother to uh, Michael, Jeff, and and, and Barbara, um, grandmother to Marco, um, husband to Mario. Uh, been a staple of the family. We didn't see her at, at the races a lot. Um, you know, she was uh, more in her role of, uh, you know, being uh, behind the scenes, but uh, obviously a very strong woman. Um, family will miss her tremendously. Um, now, now, Gray, it's a it's a different era this this time and this this day and age where we see wives at the racetrack all the time, and um, you know, there's there's pr- probably pretty good reason for that, huh? Yeah, well, you know, travel was different back in those days. The, the drivers the drivers didn't have the jets and the motorhomes and things like they have now, and and the families did go to some of the races, but generally it was the ones that they could load the kids up in the station wagon and get to within a few hours of home. And so mostly the, the, the women uh, of that era, they, they stayed home and ran the family and, and took care of the, the household. So they were more behind the scenes and you don't, uh, they weren't as visible in Victory Lane and, and things like you see today. But it's just a, just a different generation. 
Yeah, but certainly, certainly her contributions to uh, keeping that household together while uh, everybody's oh, jet, jet yeah, setting yeah. off racing cannot be underestimated. So our, our thoughts go out to the Andretti family. They've been, uh, you know, a mainstay in racing for as, as long as I've been around, and and will be. Uh, for a long time, so our, our thoughts are with the Andretti family and all, uh, all, all their friends and all the folks um, that that knew Deanne, and um, just a very sad day. So, uh, with that being said, um, let's move on and talk about the races this week. Uh, certainly, a really interesting um, Grand Prix in Austria. We have uh, a lot of Max Verstappen fans uh, in the stands there. Um, not necessarily his home race in Austria, but, uh, you know, the Netherlands and Belgium were only a hop, skip, and a jump over Germany uh, to get there. But the Max Verstappen fans were out there in full force to see their hero, Max, take the win. So, uh, Richard, really interesting and different Formula One race than we're used to seeing, especially when you consider double retirements from the Mercedes car. So uh, let's, uh, let's talk about this um, Formula One race in Spielberg. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the walk in the park that everybody predicted for Mercedes, wasn't it? Um, you know, it, if you're going to pick any circuit that suits the Mercedes car, it's it's probably the uh, the Red Bull ring. Uh, you know, lots of straights, short start, you know, short jab on the brakes, you know, hard turn corners, perfectly, you know, not as aero dependent uh, as some of the tracks, which is where you know the Red Bulls and the Ferraris come into their own. So, you know, you put this down all day as a banker for Mercedes, and in qualifying and through practice, that's what it looked like. Nobody could uh, could touch those two cars. And then Valtteri put in a fantastic lap to take pole, uh, you know, for the Mercedes 1-2 on the grid. And then off the start line, you, you saw Kimi Raikkonen from, I think it was third on the grid, have a fantastic start. And if there'd been another few hundred metres down to the first turn, I think he probably would have come out of the first corner in the lead. But... Uh, you know, everybody was a little bit, you know, sensible, and he backed off. And then, a little bit later in the lap, it all got a little bit silly. Um, Max and, uh, and and Kimi got together a little bit, and uh, uh, so Max sort of forced his way through there. And uh, pretty much between those two, that gap was, you know, as you saw it through to the end of the race. And it ended up that one move was what uh, was what cost Kimi the race, I think. But uh, you know, obviously, the main talking point coming out this weekend was the double failure for the Mercedes cars. Um, to see to see Valtteri lose, uh, you know, a, a good solid point scoring opportunity through uh, what looked like a gearbox failure is very very disappointing for a, a team that prides itself on this bulletproof reliability. For to have them drop out, you know, to have one car, one Mercedes car drop out was unusual. Um, then. You, you saw this instance again with the virtual safety car where you felt the Mercedes sort of dropped the ball a little bit and Hamilton stayed out whilst everybody else pitted. And then you got into the scenario where when Hamilton did have to pit, he, he came out fourth um, and actually lost uh, another position to, to Vettel. So he was running, I believe, fifth for... For a long period, then uh, I believe Ricciardo lost uh, transmission, and then eventually in, uh, Hamilton sort of dropped out as, as well. But the big, I think the really big talking point, as I say, you know, failures happen. Failures do happen, and it's to be expected when you push the cars to the limit. But this is the second time this season that we've seen Mercedes throw away a win through strategy. If 
and uh, bearing in mind if Hamilton had finished, he wouldn't have won the race. Um, but, you know, obviously we didn't know that he was going to have the failure when Mercedes left him out on that uh, on that safety car period or the virtual safety car, sorry. And their argument at the time was that if Hamilton had pitted, everybody else would have stayed out. And yeah, possibly, but. Th- there's something not quite right, you know, with how they run that. Now, they got their chief strategist, a guy called James Valls, on the radio there, and he personally apologised to, to Hamilton. Now, you know, James has been there at least 15 years. He was there when I was, was working with that team, when it was Honda back in the day. And, you know, one of the best strategies in, in Formula 1, I mean, the number of races that they've won takes some, you know, doing. And <laughs> at the end of the day, when you're the fastest car out there by half a second, in the lap it's, it's not hard to win races but you know the guy is still a very very sharp smart guy and mistakes will happen in the same way that the guy who was assembling the hydraulic system for the gearbox you know he's made a mistake and caused the failure or whatever it may have been uh so you know i i think he was unfairly now maybe it was his decision to come on the radio and personally apologize to hamilton if it was the team's decision to push him onto the radio i think that was a little bit unfair if it was his decision then fair play to the guy He's stepped up and he's sort of put his head above the parapet and has been prepared for everybody to take a to take a shot at him. But um, you know, I think the fact that Hamilton did uh, you know retire probably masked that issue a little bit. If he'd finished the race in fourth or fifth, then I think obviously that would have been far more of a talking point. Interestingly enough, I still don't think that Hamilton would have won the race, even if. He had pitted under the virtual safety car, and they hadn't had the problem. I think the way that they were graining those soft tyres, you saw with Ricciardo, um, was you know, there's no way he would have got to the end of the race. So um, I think they had three issues there this weekend, which was very unusual. And um, you know, heading into Silverstone now, this coming weekend, the home race for most of these teams, it'll be interesting to see how they react. You expect a bit of a reaction from Hamilton in front of his home crowd. Yeah. Now we did see a lot of a lot of really severe tire wear and tire issues and, and blistering and just just holes yeah. in the tires there. So I, I you know I don't know if that's just the the, the compound with well, the track or whatnot. But I um, think what you probably saw was um, you know a, a twenty degree temperature change in the track between Friday practice when they do the long run simulation and and Sunday during the race. It was the track was a lot lot hotter and and. You know, these the tyres are pretty susceptible. Um, you know, partly it's how hard the driver pushes as well. You know, the rear tyres especially are very, very... Especially on a track like uh, Red Bull Ring, where you're, you're in the traction zone a lot of the time, far more than most tracks. You know, you, your rear tyres do take punishment around there. Um, and also, you know, the curves are very, very aggressive curves around there. And you saw, especially in practice... A number of guys, you know, uh, McLaren had a damaged front wing. Toros, I think, damaged two front wings. Uh, Sauber, I believe, damaged the front wing. But then you look at, um, you know, you look at the way they drive, and without knowing the details of it, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that some of the damage that was caused to the uh, Mercedes gearbox and the Red Bull gearbox could potentially have been caused by, uh, you know, being aggressive on those curbs. Pure speculation, but... uh, it wouldn't be beyond belief. Yeah. So, and one of the other things coming out of this. So, let's first off, the podium was uh, Verstappen, uh, Kimi Raikkonen um, for his 
second place there. Yep. First time, first time I think we've seen him in position to actually win a race in, in a while, yep. and uh, it's pretty well documented. He's fighting for his job at this point, um, or or perhaps the fight is over as uh, Leclerc is. Um, yeah, you know, seems to be the heir apparent to uh, that seat there. Uh, Vettel comes home third after a grid penalty, but in fourth place we saw the Haas car for their best, uh, for sure. their best finish ever. So, um, so are, are things looking up for Haas, or is this just a matter of uh, the attrition? Because you figure you've got the, um, no. you know, one of the Red Bulls and two of the Mercedes out of the race, uh, or or is this uh, just you know really good good strategy and good racecraft on the part of the Haas team? I mean, I think they looked quick all weekend. Um, you, you go all the way back to Australia at the start of the season, and of course, those two um, mechanical, well, I won't say mechanical failures, but failures of the pit stop you know, equipment and the pit guns and the release with loose wheel nuts and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, everybody said, well, you know, that was their chance to get ahead of the game and, you know, snatch points while other people were still developing the car, and that's very, very true. But... Um, you know, it, it's pretty obvious that you've got the three big teams at the moment and they're stretching that lead, the Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes. So, in reality, bar any issues to any of those guys, you're, you're, you're fighting for seventh. And you saw three retirements, so you're fighting for fourth. And, you know, fair play to the house guys. They went out there, they did the business, they, um, you know, b- bought their cars home, which, you know, their pace showed that all weekend. Uh, so you know they've got to, they've got to get a lot of credit there. I know both of those drivers have been under a little bit of pressure. I mean, for for how well Haas have perceivedly done this year, you know, I believe this was the first points for Grosjean, and uh, you know they probably haven't picked up as many points as their pace deserved in many ways. But uh, no, a huge amount. Excuse me, huge amount of credit to those guys. Very well deserved. All right, so beyond the Haas team, let's let's talk about our, our winner a little more. Verstappen has said quite publicly he's not ready to give this uh, championship to Mercedes. Um, I mean, looking at the remaining schedule and 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 the points gap, uh, <sighs> you know, and and Mercedes penchant for blowing a strategy. Uh, do you think that there's a serious um, charge he can make? Or, or is it just um, I, I, idle talk from a from a from a young guy hoping for the best? Yeah, I think you know he's obviously got to stand up and he's got to uh, you know say what needs to be said for want of a better word. He can't turn around and say, "Well, you know, that's it. We're we're over and done with." Um, you know, the guy is is quick. You know, there's, there's no doubt about it. That, that, you know, when he gets everything together, and he drove a great race. You know, everybody will sit down and, and talk about the Mercedes failures and mechanically and strategy-wise. But, hey, that guy didn't make a mistake. He did the best he could do that weekend. And to beat the two Ferraris, which were arguably a faster car than the Red Bull, um, you know, throughout the weekend, was a great achievement. But you you look at the races coming up, and, you know, you'd think Hungary, Red Bull have probably got a chance. Singapore, possibly. Outside of that, you're really struggling. You know, there's a lot of fast-flowing tracks there. You know, you've you got Silverstone, you've got the German race, you've got Spa, Monza. You know, you might as well give the Mercedes the trophy on that one already. 
Uh, Rush is a fact. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Aren't we supposed to give Ferrari the trophy of Monza? No. Okay, I thought the officials Um. there (laughs) saw to that, but maybe that's back in the day. I don't know. Back in the day. I mean, it'd be great. Hey, it'd be great to see. It'd be so, so good to see. But the Mercedes is too powerful. So I think, you know, they could snatch a couple more wins, Red Bull. Um, but no, it's again, you saw the pace of the Mercedes cars and you fully expect, I, I, you know, let's put it this sorry, The mechanical failures that we saw in Austria will not happen again. End of story. No way that's going to happen again. My guess is, is that they probably had a new rev of gearbox component, hydraulic component, whatever it may be. And it failed. They'll go back to the old version, which worked perfectly well for the first eight races of the year, and you know they'll never bat an eyelid on that again. Uh, the new, you know, they, they bought, actually they did bring some very aggressive aero upgrades to Austria, which is interesting because Austria is not a hugely demanding aero track. It's it's mainly sort of rear grip traction where you'll benefit in Austria. So it's interesting to see that they bought those changes there, but it maybe was just a good opportunity for them to get some miles on those parts ahead of Silverstone, which is a hugely aero-dependent uh, track. So, uh, yeah, I, I really do think that over the next, between now and the summer break, I think you're going to see, um, you know, the um, Mercedes car sort of stretch their legs a little bit. All right. And then the other the other notable thing was this is the, the Red Bulls team first mm-hmm. win at the track that bears their name, the Red Bull Ring. And, yep. and also, again... You know the, the the large amount of uh, Dutch and Belgian fans uh, that that came to Austrian droves um, got to see their hero Max for stop and win, and that's always always pretty neat when the when the hometown guy uh, wins the race and the crowd just loves it. So that's uh, I mean that's really good stuff. Yeah, now that no, is fantastic. It is now Gray Seth. Did you guys get a chance to watch the Formula One race? You have uh, any comments to make or any questions to throw at Richard? I watched bits and pieces of it, and 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 didn't get to see the finish. When I when I uh, was watching it, I guess uh, Hamilton had not had his misfortune yet, and he was leading the race and looked like he was headed to uh, a, a certain victory. So, uh, kind of when I checked back uh, several hours later, I was surprised to see that uh, that Hamilton had uh, had fallen out. Uh, I watched it. I thought it was fairly interesting. Um, otherwise, you know, the one thing I found impressive was uh, 
Alonso starting from pit road and scoring points. I, I believe even he said that he was not expecting to score points in a Grand Prix after starting on pit road. Yeah, well, he definitely benefited from the, um, the, the you know retirements of the two uh, Mercedes and the one Red Bull Ricardo. Um, didn't finish the race either but yeah i mean uh, you know good on mclaren i you know mclaren is one of those classic teams in, in formula one that's been around forever and it just it blows my mind that their struggles have gone on this long you know they um we they, they switched from the honda to the renault they blame the they blame the honda engine for their struggles last year they're struggling just as mightily this year um, you know, amidst all the rumors that uh, Alonso's out the door and on on his way to IndyCar, so uh, but good to see Alonso win the points, huh, Richard? Yeah, I, I'll take issue a little bit. Um, I, okay, they're not where they want to be, but are they struggling as much as we've seen in the past? I every time Alonso's finished a race this year, he's finished in the points. You know, he's there, Alonso's ahead of Hulkenberg and Sainz in the in the factory Renault team, for want of a better word. So. Um, you know, and he's one point behind Kevin Magnussen, uh, you know, in that sort of seventh place, which is, the all fairness, is the best they can do. Um, right, the best, the best of the rest, yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you're never going to make it in the top six. Uh, so, you know, Alonso is actually, I think, doing okay. You know, he's, he's sort of punching his way up there. Uh, the, the, the guy that I'm is concerned about the right word, I'm not sure, is Van Dorn. You know, you look at him and he came in and everybody rated him very, very highly. Uh, in the same way they did with Kevin Magnussen when he first stepped up into the McLaren. And he's, you know, he's only scored points in three races this year. He's been outside of the points in the last five. Um, and you know, it's just, you know, Alonso's a great driver. So we're not saying he has to go out and beat Alonso. But Alonso's got 36 points so far. Van Dorn's got eight. You know, it's... Yeah. You know, you need to... I mean, he's been beaten by, you know, and Charles Leclerc in, in Sauber and Gasly and, uh, you know, guys that you would expect uh, him to, you know, somebody in a, in, a, in a sister car to Alonso to be beating. Uh, so I think that's one of the issues is Van Dorn's poor race performance. I think one lap speed in qualifying is pretty competent, but I think... He's struggling a little bit, uh, you know, in the race race trim and race setup. So I think he needs to improve that. But Alonso, they're doing pretty good. And are McLaren struggling? Yeah, they probably are. But not as bad as people make them out to be, I don't think. How many more races before the summer break? Uh, I think it's three. Yeah, it's three. So they've got Great Britain this weekend, and then there's uh, Germany and Hungary, and then they have the break and then they come back for a spa and Monza before they go fly away again for the end of the season run. Right. And, the, and the break the break is generally what, a month long? Something like that. There's, yeah, there's a week Four of, weeks. specifically you'll have a, a wind down week that will have two weeks break and then you have the setup week again. Now, do, and, do they do any testing during that off time or no? So all you're allowed to do, and this is where it got a little bit political. So during the off time, you're only allowed to do maintenance in your facility. And I don't know exactly how they go about it, but the FIA basically does check that these places are locked down properly. So you're allowed to do maintenance. You're allowed to, um, you know, 
carry out maintenance on windmills, stuff that typically would not directly produce a performance gain. Um, you know, going back in, you know, also what you get a lot of the time is that uh, in a lot of these parts that these teams run are obviously bespoke custom parts, so you'd have a huge push going up to the shutdown to get all your parts designed, get sent out to third-party manufacturing companies, and then when you'd return in the two weeks, they were all available for you. Um, there's one team which will remain anonymous, but they uh, they got scolded by the FAA a few years ago because they were paying for facilities within the UK who could manufacture Formula One spec parts. They were paying for their work time, but not giving them any work to do. In other words, stopping them from working for other teams. And uh, when the FAA found out about that, they uh, they got a little slap on the wrist for that one. So, okay, so explain that further. So they essentially tied up all the engineers? Yeah. Well, they bought up machine time on all of these third-party machine shops and said, hey, look, you know, we are going to, you know, if you charge $50 an hour for your machine to manufacture parts for us, we're going to buy up all of your time but not give you any work to do. To so so, so they couldn't do things. it. Oh, I got it. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's, that's pretty nifty there. So, uh, and as but, I say, but, when the FAA found out about that, they uh, they got a little slap on the wrist for that one. Well, yeah, that's got to be pretty practically Im- impossible to, to really... But there's not police. that many companies that can... Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's you know, there's a lot of... Poli- but, you know, there's a lot of police... You know, how the FAA police that, I mean... At the end of the day, these are third-party companies, and they can you know come and go as they please uh, and do what they want. But um, you know, can there you are... imagine if can you imagine if they tried that in NASCAR? No. Told everybody, okay, we can okay, we're going to take a month break, and you can't work, can't have anybody in the shop for two weeks. No. <laughs> That'd be yeah, it's you know the, the the actual policing of the shutdown itself. The, the FIA are pretty good, and you know what. The teams are pretty good on it as well. You know, they realise, they get how it works. You know, they know that it's in their best interest that their guys, you know, they go on vacation with the family. Sure. Down to, I mean, yeah. I worked with one guy. He'd had three days vacation in six years. Yeah. It's a grind, no doubt. And and to give these guys some time off is, <laughs> is, is, is crucial, particularly in this day and time. Yeah. All right, so we're on to Silverstone next. So, uh, Richard, uh, you care to make a pick for Silverstone? You've already talked about the Mercedes being strong there. So, uh, yeah, I, think I, they are. I mean, um, do you like uh, Hamilton to win his home Grand Prix again, or you think uh, I've, I've, Valtteri's I've got this. something for him? I've been saying the last few weeks I'm going to pick Valtteri again. I think he's, you know, that pole in Austria would have done his confidence a power of good, you know, giving him a huge, huge boost. And yeah, I think he's going to carry that on. I really do. I think he's going to step up, and he's going to, uh, you know, hopefully he's going to get the business done this weekend. He deserves it. He really does. He's had some pretty, pretty rotten luck these. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, if it was if it was for bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. So exactly. I mean, he should be in all rights a championship contender. You know, is, and is that this weekend or next weekend? That's this coming weekend. This, this is the third. Weekend. This is the third race in the uh, Formula One's first ever triple header. Okay, so yeah, a lot of stuff going on over there. Got got uh, got the got that, and then we'll have the open 
championship yep. in a, a bit of golf going on, a bit of tennis. And actually, yeah. on another, you know, we'll probably discuss it in a couple more weeks, but coming up soon, there's the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Uh, yeah. Which is always a fun event, yeah. yeah. And uh, and this year, there's going to be the first uh, fully autonomous vehicle challenge, the uh, the hill climb, uh, one of the robo-racing uh, vehicles, which are pretty impressive, uh, imp- pretty impressive machines, if anybody gets a chance to look at those. They're, uh, they're pretty neat, they are. Yeah, I like yeah, to see that. That that'd be kind of interesting. Such yeah. an international. Yeah. That's become such an international show with 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 cars from from all different disciplines going over there. And, I know Rich, Richard you know, Petty quite often sends uh, cars over there, doesn't he? And Childress has sent yep. cars over there uh, from year after year. So yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, NASCAR influence uh, in the last uh, decade or so. Yep. All right, so Gray, um, so Richard's taking Valtteri Bottas. Who do, who do you like for uh, who do you like for Silverstone? I guess I'm gonna have to go with Hamilton. Then. That's the, that's I guess the smart money. That's the smart money, Seth. Who do you like for Silverstone? I'm gonna go with Raikkonen. All right, so that leaves me Sebastian Vettel uh, or Lance Stroll, but I'll go with Vettel. So. <laughs> So anyway, so moving on, we um, NASCAR was at Chicagoland this weekend uh, down in Joliet. Um, pretty pretty intense race there at the end. Uh, we saw Kyle and Kyle show Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch bumping and banging a little bit at the end. Uh, Kyle Busch was the benefactor uh, at the end of the day and won his fifth race on the season. But um, uh, you know, to his to for his part, Kyle Larson, who had a shot for the win was not upset at all. He, he matter, matter of fact, he gave Kyle Busch a thumbs up, and his comment was, wow, that was fun racing. But as I think about this, and as I think about how many second-place finishes Kyle Larson has and how Kyle Larson has said he, I think he said he, he dumped a guy on a super speedway once and, and doesn't ever want to do it again, I wonder if he's just not aggressive enough at the end of the race uh to, to where his his gentleman gentlemanship gentlemanliness is uh, costing him wins because I th- I think he could have kind of kind of bored out on well, that a little bit but, know, but I don't know but but Gray you guys you guys talk about it he did all he could do I mean I thought he was very aggressive he he did what he could do he tried to pull the slide job and he didn't quite get up I mean good fully alongside of Kyle and and the two touched. Uh, you know, going, going, coming out of turn two, which led to the series of events. I thought he was pretty aggressive. He did. He was able to he got Kyle out of shape, got him in the fence. Was able to get uh, go underneath. Uh, he just couldn't get away from Kyle. You know, Kyle showed some tenacity and some grit and kept his foot in it and uh, drove back up to him. And and uh, you knew what was coming. And so did Kyle. It was just good, hard racing. I, I think both of the both of those two competitors respected one another, and uh, I, I, you know, I think they would. It was the last lap, and uh, the gloves come off, and uh, you got to do what you can do to to, to win. Uh, Kyle Larson is a racer. Uh, he gets it. He 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 understands it, um, and uh, uh, you know he's he's you know the future of our sport he and he and several others are gonna are gonna take uh take this sport uh you know the next generation that's going to replace some of these guys that that the harvicks and the johnsons and and go forward so yeah it's um 
it was good to see NASCAR needed a good finish like that to uh, kind of stir the pot a little bit and, and get the fans excited. I thought overall, from start to finish, it was a it was a pretty uh, pretty entertaining race. Yeah, it was uh, a, it was a very fun race to watch. Yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed it, it a ton. It was. It was. Uh, it was kind of. It was a little bit old-fashioned kind of racing. It was. It was very hot there. So you had the the element of the uh, the heat working on the drivers and the crews and uh, and everything. So uh, that was part of it uh, too. And uh, the the guys put on a really good show. Uh, I thought for the for the for the most part uh, had several different uh, win- stage winners. Uh, that was nice. And then we of course Kyle rallied. Uh, Kyle didn't really have a good car for most of the day, really complained about it, didn't like it. And, uh, you know, through uh, working on it and staying with it uh, during the course of the race, his pit crew kind of got it to where he could he could drive it a little bit better. Once he got out front, he was the car reacted different and he was able to uh, to, uh, to to run up front. And, of course, we had Larson who was able to to chase him down. Good to see a Chevrolet uh, run uh, run well there. Uh that uh, probably uh, helped the Chevrolet camp a little bit, uh, uh, showing there's a little bit, little bit of promise there in the uh, in the Camaro. So uh, I'm sure that uh, that was a nice thing and a nice shot in the arm for for Chip Ganassi racing too, because uh, that was that was a good run. But uh, you know we're going to a different type of racetrack this weekend, going back to Daytona, and all bets are off. That uh, pretty much that play back to a plate track, uh, you know, the Great Equalizer. Uh, we'll probably see, a, you know, like we always do, a competitive race there. The uh, July 4th race at Daytona tends to be a little bit different from the February race. It becomes more of a handling race because that track, even though it's run at night, uh, different, it, it reacts different than it does uh, in, the, in the daylight in February. So the track will be a little bit more greasy, a little bit slicker. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, you know, handling is a little bit, a little bit more of a premium there on on uh, on Saturday night, but I look forward to a good show uh, there too as well, like we always generally see at the uh, at the summer Daytona race. All right, now Seth, Seth, what comments do you have about this Chicago race? Well, first off, uh, that battle for the end of stage two was pretty intense between teammates Kevin Harvick and yes, Kurt Busch. Yes, uh, Harvick uh, pretty much snookered uh, Kurt on the final corner of the final lap of that stage, ended up winning the stage, getting the playoff point. Uh, Kurt was none too happy about it on the radio, but that's racing for you. Uh, Larson, uh, not only did he say that he didn't want to clear Kyle Busch uh, before turn three, because he knew what was going to be coming, just the car control that both he and Kyle Busch had after the second contact in turn three in which Larson went drifting through the corner and Kyle Busch. Yeah. He bounced off the wall, but he was able to steer a car with a broken control arm and a broken right front suspension down the track in to take the victory. That was just impressive. And it was a very hot weekend. As you said, uh, Kurt Busch, uh, he, he had the temperature gauge for NBC in his car, and at one point it said 152 degrees. Yes, I saw that. Uh, that was... just, and in the Xfinity Series race, Justin Allgaier also had it. It reached 154 before it broke and simply read high. 
Yeah. Hi. And you know, and and and, and that is that is you know that they are, those cars are very hot inside. Uh, and you compare those to the older race cars. I mean, drivers have always run in, run in those conditions in the in the summertime. Uh, but these cars today are more sealed off. Uh, they turn more RPM, so therefore they generate more heat and uh, uh, through the exhaust running up running up under the car. And then two, uh, it, it it gets it's good. You know, it's always got hot in these old old cars. The, the older race cars, they used to you know you roll up the windows on both sides, and it got hot in those. But these cars today, the way they're the way they're constructed, the way they race, they're pretty well sealed off. So all that heat just kind of sinks in that car and has no way really to go. So yeah, hats off to those drivers. That that, that is a hostile environment that they that they go to work in. I think a lot of people, other professional athletes, don't realize uh, what uh, what these drivers go through uh, in a hot summer race. Uh, and then you have other issues sometimes. Uh, uh, the fresh air system in their helmets that, that blows cool air in. Sometimes that malfunctions and makes things uh, even worse. They have started to wear some of these gel vests that uh, keep their core temperature a little bit cooler, uh, too. So, yeah, there's a lot of things. But, really, these guys these guys do, do work hard to get acclimated uh, to this. And uh, I think, uh, and Seth can probably allude to this when we, when we discussed the Xfinity race from Saturday, that was another race uh, where the conditions were very hot. And uh, those drivers, even even after a 300-mile uh, race, or was it 300 or 200 uh, Saturday? It was 300. 300. Those drivers were whipped uh, after after that show, too. So, yeah, um, hats off to those guys that, that, that competed in that heat this weekend. And going to the Xfinity Series, uh, there were actually drivers in both series that had either the uh, cool air conditioning, uh, and it's not really air conditioning, but the air hoses either fail or even the cool suits fail. Yeah. Uh, in the Cup Series, Trevor Bain had issues. In the Xfinity Series, Justin Allgaier, Chase Elliott. Uh, so there were issues throughout, uh, and it was a race that it was pretty much dominated by cup drivers. Uh, Kyle Larson won the race. He led 80 of the 200 laps. Harvick was up front quite a bit. Suarez was up front quite a bit. Uh, The only time any of the Xfinity Series regulars even led laps, uh, Christopher Bell and Brandon Jones, was pretty much right after the end of stages when they inherited the lead. And Tyler Reddick was strong in the first uh, in the first segment. He was until a speeding penalty, and then it all went yeah, downhill a, from there. Yeah, he had a miscue on pit road as well. His first pit stop kind of put him behind, and his second pit stop was when he got caught speeding. But I, I believe Tyler won the first, uh, won he the did. first stage and, and was pretty strong during that stage and would look to be the class of the field. Uh, early on until, until until he had his troubles on pit road. And because of those troubles on pit road, he restarted deep in the field and got caught up in an accident uh, about halfway into the race. Yeah, Jeb Burton got uh, got sideways and collected several cars and uh, and put an end to his day. But uh, that that was a uh, that was a pretty uh, pretty good race there. Uh, I thought as well for the uh, for the Xfinity cars they put on. 
put on a good show. So all in all, it was a good weekend of racing uh, in Chicago. And uh, real quick, the truck series was also in action at Chicago. Uh, Brett Moffitt won with a brand new sponsor, well, new to that team, Freight Auctions. They sponsored Moffitt back in 2015 when he was running for the Rookie of the Year in the Cup Series. It was their first race on the truck. They were battling for the win with John Hunter Niemicek when going into turn one on the final lap, John Hunter blows his engine. I think we've lost Gray there, but uh, okay, it's interesting right, right. that you talk about the, uh, the the cool suits there and the, the air conditioning units. Sort of, uh, you know, question why some of these drivers have to use these. You know, they do get very hot inside the car, but to give you an idea, these things draw about, depending on which model they use and which version, two to three horsepower out of the engine. So, you know you're searching for every little ounce of performance you can get and then for something such as this to take that amount of power away from the engine uh, but then still be okay to use it to really just show you know how essential these uh, th- these pieces of equipment are for the, for the driver and their concentration levels yeah i mean you figure these guys just just stay in just keeping their mental acuity you know during uh, during that when it gets so so hot and basically, you know, uh, one thing they do, do use, they do use the, uh, the, cool, the cool suit or the cool vest that has the gel in it that circulates and keeps their core temperature uh, cool. But the biggest thing is the, uh, we call it an air conditioner. Basically, it's a, what we call a cool box uh, that, that they mount in the car and takes in air from outside and, and, and exchanges it and cools the air that's blown into the helmet so that the driver is essentially breathing cool air. And that also keeps his, uh, helps keep his core temperature somewhat cooler and keeps him alert. But I tell you what, you figure when in temperatures like 150 degrees uh, inside that race car with no air stirring around, it's, uh, it, like I said before, it's, it's a hostile environment, no doubt. Now, there were also a couple drivers that had some creative solutions with the, the heat to try to stay cool. Uh, Kevin Harvick actually went and uh, doused his fire suit in water before the race, as does Jimmy Johnson and uh, the advice he got from Dale Jr. And it was, he said it was actually pretty good for him that he felt yeah. cooler throughout the race. What you seen... It sometimes is when drivers, yeah, some drivers do that, and they end up basically boiling themselves. Yeah, because it steams. Giving I mean, themselves steam burns, right. so yeah. they've got to be a little bit careful. Yeah, it's, it, I, you know, know, I've, I know that. I've, I, we've dealt with heat, and the guys down in Pit Road deal with heat, too. I, obviously, it's not 100, we're not dealing 150 degrees, but, you know, with the new rules, I, I've been in the sport a long time, and, and, and have seen the sport change, and, you know, early on when we used to pit the cars, we, we just, you know, we had regular uniforms on, trousers and, and shirts. And then as NASCAR changed and made the pit crews go to the uh, fire suits and the uh, uh, and the flame retardant uh, underwear that, like, the drivers use, I mean, we had to kind of get acclimated, too. And you learn little tricks and things and in, in, in what you can wear that kind of wick water away from your body and, and things like that. But uh, even it, it's it's hot on the crews uh, down on pit road because you're standing around. There's, there's, there's only the shade that, that you have from the, 
from the pit box, but you're standing on hot asphalt uh, for three hours too, and uh, it's it's tough. So basically, you know, everybody has to hydrate and uh, and uh, and deal with those temperatures. All right, now, now let me ask you this because I, I want to just go back a little bit. Um, several years because you're talking about the, the the bringing the air in to the helmet and whatnot and uh, i mean this is fresh air coming in but i just remember like say like a guy like uh uh rick rick mast right remember rick mast yeah he, he well, had he had after years of driving nascar he said he had a lot of health issues based on breathing carbon breathing carbon monoxide and i'm sure yeah. that there's other guys that had it too but uh i mean is there anything in place to where we're trying yeah. to bring this air uh, this day and age where that helps. Okay, I, I just was kind of wondering because yeah. I was, we were talking about and that, like, and I, yeah, go ahead. And like anything else, it's, it's been evolutionary. You know, we this this cool box thing has been around for a number of years now, and they've made improvements over the years. And obviously, you know, carbon monoxide in, in close quarters racing uh, on some of your short tracks, when, air, when a lot of air is not moving around in the racetrack, yeah, you're gonna you get those, those the carbon monoxide levels go up uh, in the uh, uh, in the race car. They've heard, they've had certain uh, you know over the years they've had certain bio things on the drivers to to check that and and things. But yeah, these these systems now there's uh, there's uh, there's filters that are, that go through before that air goes goes into the helmet. It's filtered it goes through a catalyst that takes the uh carbon monoxide out out of it so yeah that's uh that's one thing that uh you know one of the improvements that uh has come about in the last uh 10 years and and they're constantly working on these things to make them to make them better for the drivers yeah i mean keeping the drivers cool during races is you know is, is as old as racing i i remember uh gosh there was a uh, you know, Indy, Indy 500 back in the 50s, where they actually had a, di- a driver die of uh, heat exhaustion uh, right yeah, after I mean, the race, and then and then I think Bill Vukovic had won that race, and then he was just overwhelmed and collapsed, uh, collapsed in victory lane. So, and that's back in the 50s. So yeah, we've come a long way, but still, uh, you know, still still ra- racing in the hot with all the heat coming off the edge, heat coming off the car. That still, you know, takes a very fit individual. Um, sure it does. To, 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 deal, to deal with that and, and, and come out okay. So, uh, you and know, speaking, that's – go ahead. Speaking, speaking of Indianapolis, that's one hot place in uh, in August. When, of course, we don't – we're going up there in September this year for the Brickyard 400, but when that Brickyard is, is run in late July, uh, early August, that can be one hot place up there that time of year. Oh, sometimes it can be miserable in May. I, I can only imagine how bad it is running in July. So, oh, it's terrible. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it uh, see how they, they it comes off in September. September can be much cooler in Indianapolis. Hopefully, they'll, they'll get a they'll get a great crowd for that uh, uh, this year. So, and it's the last race before the chase begins. I believe that's right, isn't it, Seth? That Indy's the last. Indy, yes, the it's the cutoff race. Yeah, right, right. So Replacing Richmond, yeah. a little yeah. bit of a buzz as well, too. So hopefully that uh, we'll have a have a good uh, good showing and uh, get a good crowd up there for that uh, for that race as well. And the Xfinity Series will have that uh, restricted air package mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can't wait. Where, and I can't wait to see that again because that was pretty cool yeah. last year. 
That did that did, it does work at that particular racetrack, and that's where it was introduced last year. So yeah, that uh, that should be uh, should be another fun show for for those guys up there. All but, right, yeah, we can. I guess we can start and turn our attention now to uh, to Daytona. This will be the 18th race of uh, of the season, uh, the halfway point in the season. Uh, so we can kind of uh, you know look back, and of course. When you when you look, we've got uh, uh, two drivers sitting now: Harvick and and Kyle Busch with five wins each. So that's ten, uh, ten of the uh, of the eighteen, uh, ten of the seventeen so far. And we've got uh, Truex has won three. That's thirteen. We've got uh, uh, Harvick's teammate. Uh, Clint Boyer with two. With two, yeah. Uh, Joey Logano's yeah. won one. Uh, Joey Logano and Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon won, won one, yep. So, yeah, so so we had, like I say, Daytona's a crapshoot. So, uh, uh, you know, anybody can win this. Um, it's a good opportunity for somebody who's right on the fringe of being in the cutoff to maybe make the chase. Um, great opportunity mm-hmm. for somebody. So, uh, who who wants to throw? Yeah, somebody out? can pull a rabbit out of their hat. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Somebody like for a Ricky sure. R- Ricky Stenhouse, like we saw last year, right? So, but uh, who wants who 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 wants to go ahead and make a pick? Uh, y'all, I'll, I'll, y'all go ahead. I'll uh, go ahead and see what you think. I'm, what do you think? I'm, go on, Frank. Who are you going to go for? Oh, I'm going to go with Keselowski. Uh, the, the man is probably one of the best at restricted play races, uh, and he's no he's, been, he's been winless in the regular season. Yes, he won the uh, the Bush Clash that doesn't count to get you in the playoffs. But uh, Brad is always strong at uh, at those restricted play races. I'll go Brad, and then I'll throw it to you, Richard. Uh, Kurt Busch and Seth. Yeah, I mean Eric Almirola. All right, Gray, you get the last pick. Okay. Well, it looks like Ford is the uh, – we all know Ford might be the dominant car there, and, we, and you guys have picked three Fords there uh, to, for sure. Oh, gosh, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna stick my neck out this time, and I'm going to say Ryan Blaney finally gets that win there. Uh, when we've been expecting him to the 12 car, uh, look for that to run pretty good. He was in great position to win – uh, the Daytona 500 until we got tied up in that last caution uh, flag there, which allowed the restart to happen and, and, and enabled uh, Austin Dillon to uh, to to get around uh, Amarola and, and win the race. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Blaney. That's a good pick. Yeah, yeah, Blaney Blaney definitely needs to be in this chase. So uh, so we've all picked Ford. So which that'll probably mean that Nash uh, Chevrolet will win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Kyle Larson will come through with the win, or yeah. or uh, or Jimmy Johnson will win. <laughs> Lord knows we haven't seen him win in a while. So uh, so anyway, so yeah, Daytona's coming up. Uh, also on the weekend, the Indy cars are going to be in Iowa on a little boring. Um, in Iowa, they've changed this from a Saturday night race to a Sunday afternoon race, which has number one hurt the attendance. Uh, number two done no no favors for the track that used to. Used to pack them in, but uh, so they, um, you know, the new IndyCar package, the um, you know the UAK 18 Universal Aero Kit, uh, did not perform really well at uh, Phoenix, which which was the other short oval. It was fairly processional. 
uh, fairly follow the leader. Uh, in, in fact, it's uh, that they've not managed to draw a crowd at Phoenix in three years, and Phoenix has been uh, dropped off the schedule. Um, a lot of speculation as who's who's going to take Phoenix's place there. Uh, Homestead, Miami seems to be uh, uh, the, the leader right there in that thing, but. Um, you know that's all for a later time and a later date. But uh, in the meantime, the um, the Indy cars tested at Iowa, and it was the all four Andretti cars led by uh, Ryan Hunter Ray who just blew the rest of the field away uh, in the test times. But uh, again, uh, they've done a couple tweaks with the arrow. Not sure what kind of race we're going to see at Iowa, other, other than it looks like the um, the uh, Andretti cars will be strong. Um, I mean, what do, what do you guys think going into Iowa with uh, Iowa? It was such such a good race, um, but the last couple have been. I want to say it was it was it uh, two years ago. New Garden led nearly every lap. Yeah, um, yeah. Before yeah, so. they dominate there a couple of years ago as well, like yeah, lapped everybody or something. Never, well, you know, the best race, never won there. Best race so. we saw there it was was probably four or five years ago when. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray blew through the field on fresh tires with ten to go, and uh, and 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 that that was a very very exciting race uh, to see. He came down pit road, got fresh tires, had a late race restart, and he was able to overpower the field really, and 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 go on for the win. So, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I think uh, Ryan Hunter Ray's got two wins at Iowa. Is that uh, two or three, two or three. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's got. He's got at least two. He may have three. Yeah, but uh, I that and Ryan Hunter Ray is a guy who right now is he, he leapt from fourth in points to second. Um, he's behind Scott Dixon, you know. By he had, he's had some strong runs too. Has like. some strong yeah. runs. You know, he's, he had, has a win this season. Has uh, three second places. This he's posis- positioning himself as a. Um, Championship, championship contender. contender right now, yeah. and Iowa's a track that agrees with him very well. Uh, the Andretti cars tested there very well. He was fastest. Uh, it would be, uh, you know, it would be very fitting and nice to see an Andretti car win, especially yeah. since the devastating news of, uh, you know, Michael losing his mother. Yeah. Um, you know, whether, you know, racing isn't always sentimental. Racing is about racing, but uh, it would be neat to see. But uh, if I had I'm to... I'm sure that would be on, the, be on the thoughts of a lot of his crew and, and that team this weekend. When they, yes, yes. They, and, and even so, Marco, one of Marco's two wins came at Iowa. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, to see Marco win would be incredible. It's been since 2011 that he's won a race. He's been uh, he's been nipping at it. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, but again, I don't want to get into this for the sentimental reasons, but uh, the Andretti cars sure do look good there. But uh, at the same time, I just really hope they can put on a good show, bring the crowds back to Iowa. They really need to, to push it back to a Saturday night race. Rather, well, that rather than yeah, well, they've got a late Sunday afternoon, which you know, travel-wise, for folks that have to work on Monday, they're just not going to go. If you make that a Saturday night race, you might you might travel from Wisconsin or, or sure. Minnesota or or even from Indiana to go out to Iowa. Yeah, yeah, and spend Sunday, you know, spend Sunday driving back. But if you got to work Monday, you're you're really limiting the amount of folks that uh, have that track within, you know, with, within a day trip. So, 
What was the reasoning behind them moving the race from a night race to a to a Sunday afternoon? Television. Yeah. Television. Yeah, well, television is always the it. television is always the reason for your time slot. So. Yeah, but, you know, uh, I thought it was unusual too. You know, Chicago, the the, the Cup race at Chicago has been uh, run on Saturday night in the past as well too, because that track that track does have lights. So yeah, I thought that you know, in in that time of year. In, in Illinois, is hot, too, out in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, I thought that probably, again, um, was another one that could have, we had probably seen a better crowd that, you know, on hand had the race been at night. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, IndyCar fans love the ovals and they want more oval races, but the fans don't show up to them, right? But then again, IndyCar shoots itself in the foot by moving – you know, Iowa from a Saturday night. And they've even done neat stuff in the past. Remember the, a couple of years ago they had the uh, they had heat races for qualifying rather than single single car qualifying. Mm-hmm. They had the little heat races. That was really yeah. neat. They, they, they did, and, they, and they packed the place then. But now they made it Sunday at 3 in the afternoon. Television, yeah. you know. So, But either way, um, we've got a couple minutes left. I'm, I'm going to pick Ryan hunter Ray. And uh, let you guys pick uh, whoever you'd like to. Seth? Ryan Hunter Ray's probably the smart money, but, uh, you know, uh, I'll go New Garden. Yeah, New Garden, smart money, too. Uh, I mean, that guy's on a tear. Seth? Uh, I'll go with Marco Andretti with all of the bad news that his family's had recently. It's time for some good news. Wouldn't it be neat to see Marco win a race? Because everybody's so yeah. down. Everybody's been so down on this guy, but yet he, he he works hard and he tries hard. He just hasn't had the results. I, I mean, there are there are times where he looks like, yeah, you're not trying. You know, whatever, you know, change his number, and everybody's like, oh yeah, Marco, number change ain't gonna win. You need a talent change, but but the guy actually, you know, he's pretty sharp behind the wheel. He just. Uh, uh, you know, his motivation has been questionable year after year, but I, I think he's probably positioned to win a race sooner rather than later or maybe never again. Either way, it's one or the other. He's either going to he's either gonna open up the floodgates to win a race or he's just stuck where he's at. So, I don't know. Richard, you get a pick for Iowa before we go off the air. Robert Wicked. Robert Wickens. That's an interesting pick. He was uh, he was pretty useful at uh, Phoenix earlier in the year, wasn't he? And it's uh, and at the different tracks, but it's a short oval, you know, not particularly high banking, I believe. And uh, you know, he, he could be pretty pretty sharp around there. He sure could. Yeah. The other one I, I don't want to leave out is Sebastian Bourdais. Yeah, he was who, who, he was really good Phoenix, at yeah. he was really good at Phoenix. He just ran into some trouble. But yeah, so we'll have to see uh, how this all yeah. plays out. So we're um, we're just about at the uh, at the end of the uh, hour here. So I just want to go around the table real quick. Uh, final thought for each of you in the group. I'll start with you, Gray. Uh, well, just looking forward to to a, uh, a good race at Daytona. Like I said, uh, the the summer race at Daytona is always the traditional halfway point of the NASCAR season. So uh, we're going to see how this uh, season ends up and uh, got got a lot to look forward to in the second half. Absolutely. Now, Seth? 
TV ratings for both the, uh, the Xfinity and Cup races at Chicagoland were up. Uh, some people are crying oh. Dale Jr. for that. Well, I'm sure that was. I'm sure that had a little bit of a, a spike because people wanted to uh, see it. And NASCAR kind of, we mentioned that on the show a couple of weeks ago, that uh, I'm sure NASCAR was hoping that the, the, the Dale Jr. factor would give them a little bit of a bump in the ratings. And uh, maybe it did. He did a job. I thought he did a great job. I, you know, I, I watched it at uh, at work where we have the TV, so I didn't get to I didn't get to hear Dale at all. So, but uh, you guys thought he did well. Yep, thought I did a good job. All right, fantastic. So, Seth, you're you're great uh, for, for Dale. I think he did a pretty good job. All right, good. I like I said, I didn't get to hear it. I just got to see it. So, now Richard, one more uh, thought I, for I the evening. Yeah, the next couple of weeks are going to be uh, in in you know two of the three main series we discussed. You know, IndyCar and Formula One. You know, hopefully you well, not hopefully, but you you expect to see somebody really sort of start to grab the uh, grab the championships. You know, somebody one of the big contenders in IndyCar goes out and grabs a couple of wins back to back, and same in Formula One. You know, you're probably going to see somebody start to uh, you know start to pull away with the championships and. And probably by the end of July, we're going to have a better uh, better idea of who's going to be uh, you know coming out on top at the end of the season. Absolutely, yeah. I think IndyCar we only got like what four or five races left. We have such a short season, so well, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. So, but you got uh, you know two guys we didn't mention are um, Rossi and Dixon, who were totally embroiled in the championship battle. So, and both those guys could could do well at Iowa so but anyway we're, we're, we're right at the end of the hour I want to thank you Gray Seth Richard I want to thank uh, the Hoobazoo Radio Network and I want to thank iHeartRadio and, and I want to thank all you folks that tune in and listen to us uh, drone on week in and week out uh, guys enjoy the races we'll talk to you in a week good night with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.